Money talks. But so do we. I'm Lauren. I'm Kat. And I'm Daniel. And And we're we're your friends friends with with tax tax benefits. We're here to sound off about write-offs. To get wise about wealth building. And take the taboo out of tax talk. We work at TurboTax. So obviously this is what we love to talk about. But we're not here to replace your tax professional. In each episode, we'll share real talk about money with our personal opinions, advice, and jokes about all things financial. What we won't do is share any opinions on behalf of Intuit, TurboTax, their brands, or employees. Did the lawyers make you say that, Kat? So stop scrolling on Tax Talk, call your financial professional later, because it's time to talk tax, friends. Hello, everyone, and hello, Daniel and Lauren. Hi. Hi, Kat. Hi, Lauren. Welcome back to Friends with Tax Benefits. So as I was thinking of this week's episode, I, interestingly enough, was catching up on the final season of Insecure. And Issa Rae, her character is the epitome of a side hustler. She is striving for lifts, working for a non-for-profit. She's also dubbed a second life as a property manager to score some free rent. She's all that while trying to do all this to fuel her own passions of throwing a, a cultural event for the community. And I think that before people kind of were like side hustles, doing work outside of your nine to five. And now it almost seems like it's the way of life. Everyone wants in on the extra money. I've been a fan of Issa Rae, honestly, since her YouTube days doing a little show called Awkward Black Girl, which was the inspiration essentially for Insecure and have seen every single episode. I love the arc of the character. I thought the show ended in a really beautiful way. And It was such a full circle moment. I think in our culture too, honestly, more and more of us are getting really disheartened and frustrated with the traditional model of work. And we're very much seeing that with a great resignation. And I think part of the rise of side hustles, one is yes, there's a struggle to make ends meet for a lot of people. And two, I think a lot of us have passions that we're not really able to fully explore in our traditional work. And launching a side hustle can be a way to either make ends meet to help you do more of what you want to be doing or a way to explore something you're passionate about outside of the confines of your nine to five. Kat, I have to be honest with you. When you were saying you were watching a TV show, I was like, I think she's going to talk about Friday Night Lights because that's like the only show I've seen on television. I don't know Insecure and I don't know Issa Rae, but I have been Insecure and, and used to have side hustles years ago when I was a teacher. And to your point, Lauren, it was so that I could buy recording equipment so that I could, I could record music. And it, like I didn't have any money as a teacher, but all of that money, I had some like mental budgeting that I would say any, you know, of the side hustle gets to this project and, and it goes to this project. And then I had kids and that all went out the door. But um, that's probably the hardest part for folks with side hustles is like actually getting started. Because like Lauren said, you have the passion. It's obviously something that probably interests you um, in the show Insecure. And even before the series she had on YouTube, it is her true life mixed in with, I'm sure, some fiction as well. But she basically talks about how she poured all of her money and even did some crowdfunding to try to like support the passion of putting on this project on YouTube. It garnered like support from fans in the thousands, which I guess is really what attracted, you know, uh, the network like HBO to move forward with her on a show. So to me, that's like the coolest part of Side Hustles is like those stories you hear of 
you could just take off and that's no longer the side hustle. It's the main hustle. Yeah. I think I do want to say, Daniel, full eyes. What is it? Clear hearts, full eyes. What is it? Can't can't lose. Clear eyes, full heart, can't lose. Lauren, get your pop moments. I am with you. I've seen every episode of Friday Night Lights. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Um, Such a good show. But I also think to your point, Kat, one of the things that's amazing about this moment in our culture and with technology is there's so many paths to begin a side hustle. Really, all you need is a phone or a laptop and an internet connection, and you're good to start something, whether it's a shop on Etsy or a store on Shopify or your own website on Squarespace. I think there are so many tools at our disposal to really start launching our products or services into the world. While we don't have Issa Rae here to give us her own tips on side hustles and all things side hustling, Lauren and Daniel and myself could give you guys some great advice that you could apply to your own side hustles or your future plans to side hustle. So Lauren, what do you have for us? So having side hustled myself in the past, I've got a couple of ways that I look at it. I think one, if you're side hustling, you're new to side hustling, think through what are your real goals for the side hustle. If the goal is to kind of make quick cash, to make ends meet or to fund something like a a trip, for example, there's a lot of apps that you can use to help with that. So for example, driving for Uber or taking on a side project through Fiverr, it's a great way to really get that cash really quickly. I think if your goal really is to, to build up your own business or to explore a passion of yours in a more in-depth way through a side hustle, I think that's when it's really helpful to think about what is it that you have to offer? What are the unique skills you can provide to people? And how can you package that up in a compelling way that then you can sell to earn extra money? If that's the path for you, I think it's also really important to think about what's your personal brand, right? Think of yourself really as a business and what are the benefits that you're offering? What are the skills you bring to the table? And how can you position yourself in a really impactful way through a website, through a social presence on Instagram or Twitter or LinkedIn, and really thinking through how you're positioning yourself to earn extra dollars in a more long-term way, and in a way that can be really impactful to how you're growing your own life through the side hustle. And as part of that, I think it's really important to invest in resources, whether it's investing time in creating content for LinkedIn or investing a little bit of time in setting up your own website and to also really track the dollars that go along with that as well. So for example, if you're driving for Uber, you want to be really mindful about tracking your mileage and documenting that so you can deduct that from your taxes at tax time. If you're starting a consultancy or a larger side gig, really think through what are your business expenses? Are you driving anywhere for work? Are you buying equipment? And making sure you're keeping track of those receipts and documenting all of those investments you're making in your business and yourself as a business so that you can have a really clear handle on your income, on your expenses, and be really well positioned to write those things off at tax time. I definitely agree, Lauren, that there's so many ways that it's not just your item that you're selling. It can literally be you. Like people can be buying into you and what you do, kind of like what we talked about with these content creators. But that leads us over to Daniel, who has lots of experience in the side hustling game before it was even called side hustling. So this actually happened when my wife, she gave me a, 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 
uh, a job on, on the, a big honeydew list was trim those rose bushes in the backyard. And I said, I'm on it. And I was, I just pruned with abandon. And before I knew it, I had a pile of, of like thorn covered branches taller than my head. And um, I mean, I drive a minivan and there's no good way to, to get those babies out of the yard. And so, so I went to Yelp and I said, I got debris and I need somebody to clear this for me. And, and literally within, I don't know, five to 10 minutes, I just had like a swarm of people being like, I, I can do it. I can do it. And, and what was interesting about it was um, you can look at reviews of people, but really like no one had a unique service. It was removing these branches. And so um, I, I had to decide like, how, well, how do I pick from all these people who are, are saying like, I can do this for you. And the two things that I decided I was going to use as my decision criteria was who's reasonably priced because the, the price was all over the place and, and who is responsive. And one little company was super responsive. He'd say, can I send, send me some photos? And when are you free? And like, um, can I see the whole backyard? Is this, and really responsive. And there might be a big lag between the other people. And so I just, I chose this guy and it was awesome. Came out the next day, did a great job. And what was fascinating was this, this was a young kid starting his own business. He worked for a landscaper and he said, I'm going to do this for my own. I'm going to go into my own business. And, and what struck me was it's a super crowded field in San Diego for landscaping. And so when I think about it, and if you're starting out your own business, it's like, what is your differentiating um, characteristic? And it isn't the work necessarily because everybody could remove those things. And for this guy, it was responsiveness and you know c- customer service. And you don't have to make something different, but you have to stand out from the other people in, in your similar you know, product or service industry. This guy was super sweet, super um, responsive. And I would never have chosen him if I had gone by just stars because he had one, he had one review, but that's how he's differentiating himself. So as you go into your own side hustle in your business, what makes you different from other people and lean into that. And it can be, like I said, customer service, it can be price, it can, whatever it is, but just how can you stand out from the crowd in a crowded field? Another thing aside from getting past that mental block of what could I do is some people feeling like maybe I don't have like a natural talent. And I think Daniel's example of the gardening, you would be so surprised within your own warm market, maybe something you even do for work that you don't find as passionate. Like maybe you do Uh, design for your job. And now you're creating a simple template for other folks to use and it's just downloadable. So it really is not costing you a storefront space. It's just one link that you're selling. I think that the opportunities are out there. And if building Ikea furniture is your thing, it is so much not other people's thing that people will pay you to assemble things for them. So I think what I, as a tax professional, uh, would advise people is like, keep good records. That's what it gets down to. Folks, all the time I hear it, like I have to pay taxes or I have to report this income that I'm making. And yes, like it might not seem that way because it might seem fun or just a little bit of games, But if you're doing a side hustle and you're producing income at some point, you are self-employed, you know, and once you make $400, that's when you start getting into those categories. So I think there's nothing more inspirational than hearing those stories of where someone was able to turn a passion into profit and then that 
profiting business or a side hustle is making so much money that it can become your full-time hustle, give you that financial freedom to leave a job or pursue a passion. I'm not saying it's for everyone. It might just be to save for a vacation and that's fine, but make sure you're keeping accurate records. So when it does come time to tax time and you do have to report what you're making, you're also deducting those expenses and taking advantage of those things available to a business owner, which you would be as it pertains to the income you make from side hustling. So record keeping, record keeping, you guys will hear me say it all the time. There's no way to know if you can deduct something if you haven't been keeping track of what you've been bringing in and what it's been costing you to make that money. So I don't want to tell everybody to go out and get a side hustle, but I think it's something worth exploring, doing a little research on, and you'd be surprised of what you might find in your own pocket for a side hustle. I think that's what's great about this gig economy or side hustle like vibe that we have going on in current times. I think I've got two tips for that. For those of us who are a little analog folks in the digital world, I think you can always keep a, a file folder. I have a file folder with separated tabs of different categories of expenses from my personal like medical bills to more side hustle related expenses for my consulting. And then you can always kind of keep those tabs and, and add in the paperwork where it goes so you have it all organized at tax time. Or there's also a lot of really great apps and software available. So for example, a lot of the apps that help you track your business income and expenses, you can take a picture of a receipt and send it into the app. So they're all stored online and really easy for you to track back the expense and the documented receipt that's associated with it. So I think there's a lot of really great tools, whether you're old school or new school. Oh, yeah. And I think those suck right into your tax return when it when it comes time, some of those, um, Lauren. And so there is not even that transcribing from your photos into the tax return. So good tips, good tips. Yeah, it's going to definitely make it way more sustainable so that you're not feeling overwhelmed with all the things that go into the back end of your side hustle. I think now that we've given folks some actionable items, it's time that we get into the Q&A. Let's hear what you all want to know about side hustles as it pertains to you and your taxes. So who's asking the questions? That's me this week. And friends in the audience, you may have uh, heard that we have a resident tax expert on staff here. Kat, you're our go-to for this. So uh we are going to dig into the Q&A section with Kat, who's going to tell us how to do it right, how to play by the books. All right, you ready, Kat? Go ahead, Daniel. This is the first year I'm not expecting a W-2. I've been doing a few side jobs, like driving for a rideshare company and helping out a family with young children, but really focusing on getting my business up and running. Since I'm not really expecting a company to send me a W-2, what forms am I going to need and how in the heck do I get them? Well, congratulations first on taking that leap of faith to do multiple side hustles. So driving for a rideshare company and helping out with young children. Um, it's definitely a different landscape than if you were just working a nine to five, like you said, and would get a W-2. So it's likely that you'll receive a 1099K and even a 1099 neck, which means non-employee compensation from the ride-sharing company. It also depends how you've been receiving the income for helping out the family, whether or not they're going to give you a 1099K, but you should be reporting any income you made. 
And once you've made $400 or more for the year, you've triggered self-employment income and taxes. So you can definitely expect a 1099K from the ride-sharing company if you've earned $20,000 in trip transactions and provided more than 200 rides. But it is likely that, you know, some states have lower reporting thresholds. So you could get a 1099K even if the amounts were below those mentioned thresholds. You're going to want to go back to your records you've been keeping because the totals reported on those 1099s will be the gross payments, not what you've been seeing in your bank account. So any fees you've paid out to the ride sharing company, any additional expenses you've like acquired while driving, so car washes, or if you've purchased things exclusively for your riders like water bottles, those are going to be deductible expenses. So Kat, quick question. If you are a nanny and driving to and from a home where you're nannying, is that deductible? Yes, definitely. So tracking that miles and even miles that you might incur after. So I know a lot of nannies sometimes maybe help with light household errands or picking up the kids from school or dropping them off at a practice or whatnot. All of those miles you also do while on the clock for them, even if it's as you are leaving, like, hey, Lauren, can you drop this off? That's also business mileage. So definitely get an app if you're run any type of errands or drive around for the job. Kat, I got another one for you. This is for all you sign makers out there. So I've been making custom signs for friends and only recently started selling them. I only sold a few things on Etsy. Do I need to report the income? Is there a difference between money I make as a hobby? I wouldn't call it a business yet. Am I able to deduct expenses for this? So is there a difference between money I make as a hobby and money I make as a business? So one of the key differences there is were you in the business to make money? Were you doing the activity? So in this case, making custom signs for friends was the intent to make money. That's normally a good indicator if it's a business or a hobby. A hobby you do out of an enjoyment, whether it's going to make you money or not. Whereas a business, you're operating it in the hopes to make profit. So if when you're thinking about your side hustle, or in this case, your custom signs on Etsy, was it carried out in a business-like manner? Were you providing receipts, taking an order form? How were they requesting? You were probably in essence operating like a business on Etsy because it might be for friends, but those folks still had expectations and were paying you or giving you money with a good or service in return, right? If it comes down to it and you're like, no, this is a hobby, then unfortunately you won't be able to deduct any of the expenses or anything associated with the hobby. You will not be able to claim in this case, the materials that went into your custom signs, whether it's wood or vinyl, do you need to report the income? Yes. You always need to report the income, which we talked about. The IRS is not really into the particulars of how the money came about, but the fact that it's about and circulating and their due percentage. So yes, the short answer is you will have to report it. Platforms like Etsy will help you with reporting, So for your 2021 tax return, so the taxes you're likely doing right now, Etsy will send you a 1099K, 
which is basically a 1099 for transactions that were run through a merchant processing service or tool. So for this tax year right now, Etsy will give you one if you've had 200 transactions that have totaled $20,000 and in your case worth of signs. Now, next tax year. So the taxes you'll be working on in 2023 likely. So the 2022 tax year return. The reporting requirements for these Etsy, Venmo, PayPal have changed and they just basically lowered the reporting requirements. So once you've sold $600 worth of things, it should also produce a 1099K for you Etsy or whatever platform that you're using to process your funds. So as it stands right now for this tax year, you likely won't get one unless you've sold over 200 items or things, transactions, or if you've made more than $20,000, even if that's less than 200 transactions. Then the following year, you'll have to worry about any amounts over 600. So Kat, you mentioned Venmo, and I know there's a lot of confusion around that. I think people are thinking, if you and I have brunch and I Venmo you brunch money, do you owe taxes on that? Where do taxes come in when you're paying through Venmo or Cash App or one of these mobile payment apps? Yeah, and I think that it's a, a valid concern because a lot of folks probably are using these mobile payment apps maybe even more than they're using cash in certain situations. So for Lauren and I, if we go out to dinner and Lauren you know, swipes for the whole bill and I send her my portion on Venmo, let's say even if Lauren and I go on an extravagant <laughs> dinner and I'm selling her $700 where you might like, wow, Kat, Lauren, you guys had a great dinner. That money is just as you would a gift. Like it's not going to require me to now pay taxes on that. It's reimbursed. And I think it's important to think about there's a trail that affirms what Lauren and I would be holding to be true, right? There's the original transaction where she swiped for, and now here's a portion of it coming back. The issue where it's going to be a taxable or produce tax documents for somebody would be in the case of if Lauren is my eyebrow esthetician and now I'm sending her $20 every time she does my eyebrows, those would count towards services. It's likely that you may have even seen the apps that you use now ask you a little bit more information about yourself and what you do. It's probably helping these third-party transactions, Venmo, Cash App, Zells, to weed out the folks that are definitely targeting or would trigger this type of document. But for the average user who's not in business and not selling a good or service, it would not trigger it. Likely, if you do have a business or service, you might even be using a business version of these, like a Zelle through a business account. Um, but yes, there, I just, I like to tell folks that don't think that just because it's on cash app that there's, it's not traceable or it's, um, how some folks consider like, oh, well, who's keeping track of the cash there. They are definitely keeping track of the transactions and the nature of the transactions. And I would assume even the frequency of transactions, I'm no tech expert, but not to worry for regular folks who are just paying folks back or maybe even paying for your portion of uh, rent. Your Maybe your roommate does a direct debit and now you have to give her 
your half of the rent through Zelle. Yeah, you're not going to have to also pay tax now on your rent. So I would assure folks not to be concerned. But yes, if you're using these apps in the nature of your business, then you can expect next year way lower reporting requirements based on the activity that you're doing now in 2022. Got it. So if we're balling out at brunch and you Venmo me, I don't need to pay taxes. But if I'm seeing you for my monthly mani-pedi or it's any kind of business transaction with a service or product, then the person I'm paying for the service or product then does need to report on that income once their overall income is over a certain amount, right? Yes. So Daniel, I'm ready to see. You Have you felt inspired? Are you going to pick up that guitar and start singing at weddings and birthdays are we oh i've done i've done it i've done all those things i've done all those things yes i wish i could play an instrument i wish i had those those extra talents it's yeah well you you and you're interpreting the tax code for us and that takes more talent than uh, singing a few jingles thanks so much for listening to this episode of friends with tax benefits can't wait to see you next week bye friends see ya bye y'all Friends with Tax Benefits is an Intuit TurboTax podcast produced by Frequency Media. We're your hosts, Daniel Thrall, Katharina Rickmans, and Lauren Thomas. From Intuit TurboTax, Jane Lahani is our executive producer, and Tony Melinda is our video producer. From Frequency Media, Jordan Rizzieri is our producer, Catherine Devine is our associate producer, and Matthew Ernest Filler is our editor and sound engineer. Concept development by Jessica Olivier, Jill Fischesnik, and Isabel Moncloa Daly. This podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. 